Josh here with the IDP show. Now, look, if you know anything about our show, you know we're three mid-30s dads rolling into the Sochak every week at about 9 p.m. to record a fantasy football podcast. We've got kids, we've got jobs, so we are worn out when it comes time to record, which is why I'm excited to share about our newest sponsor. It is Liquid IV, which is the category-winning hydration brand fueling your well-being, and their hydration multiplier is the one product you're missing in your daily routine. Y'all, in just one stick, you get five essential vitamins and two times faster hydration than water alone. Use this first thing in the morning, before a workout, when you feel run down, after a long night out. So what do we love about Liquid IV? Convenient packaging, you just rip the top off and pour it into your water, shake it up and you're ready to go. Comes in a bunch of amazing flavors. I love strawberry lemonade and watermelon are my two favorite. And one stick of liquid IV and 16 ounces of water hydrates you two times faster and more efficiently than water alone. 12 delicious flavors. I mentioned a couple. They're refreshing. They're going to keep your hydration routine exciting so it's not the same old flavor time and time again. It contains five essential vitamins, y'all. Listen to these B vitamins, B3, 5, 6, 12, and vitamin C. It's got three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks made with premium ingredients. It's non-GMO, free from gluten, dairy, and soy. Liquid IV, they believe that equitable access to clean and abundant water is the foundation of a healthier world. So they partner with leading organizations for innovative solutions to help communities protect both their water and their futures. To date, Liquid IV has donated, listen to this y'all, over 39 million servings in 50 plus countries around the world. So we are very excited to partner with them. And if you want to try it out, you can get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use our code IDP show at checkout. That's 20% off anything you order when you shop better hydration today using promo code IDP show at liquidiv.com. Check it out and tell them the IDP show sent you. This is the IDP After Show. Hey, peoples, a massive welcome to the IDP After Show Week 8 Rankings episode. I'm Jace Abbey, and as usual, I'm going to be digging through some of the highlight players in my weekly rankings. After flying solo last week, I'm pretty made up to welcome onto today's show possibly my favorite Canadian in the world and a legend in IDP circles, Mr. John Macri, fantasy analyst for PFF, host of the Big Nickel IDP podcast and the PFF Fantasy Pod. John, how goes it, dude? Uh, it's going good, Jace. I, I appreciate you uh, having me on. And uh, yeah, nice of you to introduce me as your, your one of your potentially your favorite Canadian, because Josh, usually when he introduces me as his, his second or third favorite Canadian, and we still don't know who the number one is, but um, that was that was a nice compliment of you. And yeah, happy to be here and, and talk some IDP for sure. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a steamed company up there. Um, I guess for me, Ryan Reynolds, Seth Rogen, sure. 
John Macri. I'm I'm happy with any one of those guys in the number one. We're basically ranking Canadians on this pod right now. Right. Yeah. This is a Canadians <laughs> ranking show. Spoiler alert. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, but yeah, man, I've been I've been buzzing to have you on ever since I I gilded you into it uh, a few oh, weeks wow. back. Um, yeah. Thanks for coming on. Um, look, we're getting into to week eight already. Um, can't believe we're we're almost halfway through the regular season right there's like a a huge collective sigh of relief uh, as we get all of our players back this week um for what i i guess will be uh one of uh one of one of the last couple of times in the season we've got two hellish bye weeks haven't we i think where we've got six teams on a bye but uh but yeah this week i feel a bit spoiled for choice when i was doing my rankings and i don't know about you but i really struggled to narrow my list of linebackers down to uh down to 50 there was quite a few guys on that on that list that I actually left off. Um, was it a similar story with you as well? Yeah, pretty much exactly the same. I, I do I do 60 linebackers and there were still a couple guys that I left off as well, right? Just because you don't know how deep, you want to try to include as many guys as possible, right? Because for deeper leagues and stuff like that. So there's still some guys that um, are potentially going to play relevant snaps that that didn't make it into the rankings. But, um, you know, it, it's 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 nice to have at least every team playing this week, and then people can choose. They have plenty of options at least, so that helps. Last week, I had exactly. guys on there that I would not want to uh, not did not want to have ranked regularly, so it makes up for that. <laughs> oh yeah, I was like scraping the bottom of the barrel for for certain guys, especially at the DB position, seventy five oh. deep. That was uh, that was a struggle at times, but um, but yeah. Look, since we're talking uh, linebackers, let's let's transition seamlessly into breaking down the linebackers that we're championing this week. So who have you got up first? Who do you like a linebacker for week eight? Yeah. So the guy that I think I'll start with is Kaiser white of the Arizona Cardinals. So coming off a, a fairly quiet game, he, he had just five total tackles uh, last week, but he did add a, a couple tackles for loss. He, he, I think he had a pass breakup in there as well. He played a hundred percent of the defensive snaps, which is the main thing that we're looking for. And, you know, people, I think, were, were kind of frustrated or or at least concerned about the game from last week for him. And these games happen all the time for linebackers, right? Especially against, like, non-optimal opponents. Um, like the Seahawks were last week. They were below average in in linebacker tackles uh, to or tackles to the linebackers um, that they were facing. So that, that played a part in it. But this week, uh, Kaiser White draws a very good matchup against the Baltimore Ravens, who are the most optimal opponent for linebacker tackles. They're giving up 20.6 tackles per game to the linebacker position, which really is a great boost for, for Kaiser White because he's the lone every down linebacker on this Arizona defense. Um, Josh Woods plays, but he's not an every down player. So there, there's going to be more opportunity there potentially for Kaiser White. It's also a very zone heavy defense in Arizona. They're the fifth uh, highest zone rate in the league, which I, I talk about all the time. That is a, a big boost for tackle efficiency for the linebacker position as well. So that certainly helps him. So all of that kind of combined, um, as well as his 100% playing time, make him kind of a top tier start for me this week. And I've, I've, I've actually moved him up to LB4 this week. Yeah, we're we're fairly close then. I've got him as my LB five this okay. week. Um, you know, like you said, it was a it was a quiet week last week, but I'm not I'm not too concerned. Um, you know, he's had eight or more tackles in five of his other seven games, which is pretty pretty consistent. Um, you know, and there's a few big plays sprinkled in there too. He's had a couple of sacks, an interception, a pass breakup last week, as you mentioned. Um, but yeah, um, that Ravens matchup it's it's too tasty not to uh, not to want to start White as a as a really solid LB one, I think this week. So I like I like the call. Good shout. Thank you. 
Um, so my my first guy is, uh, and I was a little bit cautious with this one. Uh, I always want to mention uh, if I'm going to champion one guy at a position, I want it to be a slam dunk. But I've been I've been waiting so so long to mention his name that I I wasn't prepared to wait any longer. So it's Jack Campbell. Um, now I say that uh, he's ranked as my LB forty two still, so really quite low. Uh, one behind uh, Javon Bentley and one ahead of of Anthony Walker. But oh man, I'm excited. The, it feels like the wait is over, right? Um, 90% snap share, which is a huge increase from what he saw the week before, 50, 60% for it's kind of like the four games prior. So he's still behind um, the Prince of Asgard, uh, Alex Anzalone. Um, but, but crucially, it was the first time this year he jumped ahead of Derek Barnes. And that, that for me, speaks volumes. Um, I mean, yeah, look, he didn't have his best game. Everybody, everybody knows that. Uh, he finished with with six tackles, but five of those were assists, and he looked a little lost on some of those plays, especially that uh, that that one where he misread the the, the fake handoff, and then uh, Jackson waltzed in for a for a TD. I think Jack Campbell was like completely on the other side of the field by the end of the play. But um, but as I wrote about elsewhere yesterday, I, I'm kind of hoping that he isn't viewed as the scapegoat for that performance um because the whole lions defense stunk it up in that game didn't they um yeah. and dan, dan campbell obviously wasn't happy with the performance he, he didn't 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 uh, didn't hold back when he was talking about the performance afterwards and he may want to make changes i just hope that that jack campbell's sort of snap trajectory that we've seen in the last two weeks isn't a casualty of that so um i kind of like campbell 90%, not quite there yet. I'd be much happier if he was uh, overtaking Anzalone, but um, yeah, I really like what I'm seeing so far. Yeah, th- that w- that was definitely great to see. I loved to see he played, yes, 90% of snaps or something like that. So season high, obviously, I think probably the, the most interesting thing about the way they used him in that game is that he played 50% of his snaps on the edge as well, which was Really strange, but it also, I think that played a part in kind of hurting his tackle efficiency in that game specifically, right? Because he immediately has to face offensive linemen as blockers there. Um, so he doesn't get a chance to kind of shed those blocks or, or have the the speed or, or movement to kind of get around them in the, at, at, that he would at the second level, right? So I'll be interested to see kind of how they use him um, this week. I'm also a little bit tentative on him. I'm, I'm excited. I definitely have him over Derek Barnes this week as well. Um, but yeah, I guess I just want to kind of see the usage there. And of course, it figures that the, the Lions kind of get blown out in the first game that they put him in as like a 90% player. So like you said, hopefully he doesn't end up being the scapegoat and they go back to Derek Barnes or anything. So I do want to see it for one more week from him. But I'm with you. I have him down in that LB, uh, I guess, four or five range as well um, for this week. Okay. Okay. Good stuff. So um, the quick hitters um, at linebacker, guys we like. Um Real, real off some names for me, John. Who do you, uh, who else do you like at the linebacker position for week eight? So, um, Aziz Al Shear of the Tennessee Titans. I have Miss LB eleven this week, coming off a bye week, but prior to the bye, had posted back to back fifteen tackle games. He's pretty much earned his way into must start territory for me as the Titans' lone every down linebacker. Jack Gibbons has been solid as well, but not playing one hundred percent of snaps like Al Shear. Um, and then he especially becomes more enticing against the Falcons this week, who have allowed nineteen point three tackles per game. To the linebacker position, which is tied for the fourth most in the league heading into week eight. Good um, stuff. Good stuff. 
Yeah. And then I also got, I got a couple more if you want me to go through those ones as well. Sure. Um, okay. And uh, I also got Frankie Louvu of the Carolina Panthers. He's LB15. So I like him to have a solid game, but it's kind of assuming that his hip is okay. He's coming off a bye week as well, but he did leave the team's week six game against Miami, I think it was, um, with an injury and didn't come back. So he's, he's the lone every down linebacker on that team as well. Uh, much like Kaiser White, Aziz Al-Shahir, and he's going against a, a Texans team who are allowing the seventh most tackles to the linebacker position. So uh, I like that for him. Carolina, the mo- third most zone-heavy team in the league. Uh, I think that if he plays Luvu, that is a great spot to put up some tackles there. Um, and then the last guy is Quay Walker. So Quay Walker of the Green Bay Packers got doubled up in ta- in total tackles last week by his teammate Isaiah McDuffie last week. Even though McDuffie only played 66% of the defensive snaps, Walker played all of them. Um, just, I just like this as like a nice bounce back spot for, for Quay Walker. Another one of those guys playing in a zone heavy defense that that's great for linebacker tackle efficiency. Um, and their opponent, Minnesota is 12th in tackles allowed to the linebacker position. I like it. I like it. And, uh, Campbell, Devontae Campbell's still not quite right. Is he not, not that that really affects Walker. I don't think as much as it would do on another team. Um, so yeah, that's, uh, that's a good list. Um, so I've got, um, I've gone with CJ Mosley, Quincy Williams, Aziz Al-Shayir as well, and Nate Lamman. And all of those guys are uh, the the lowest of those guys I've got ranked is Lamman, who's my LB18. The rest, I think, I've got as LB1s. Um, you know, all all of those guys are every down players who have favorable matchups against teams that are allowing a high volume of tackles to opposition linebackers. Um, Jameen Davis, I've got him listed here as well. He's a guy who should suddenly see a, a much larger role in the absence of, uh, of Cody Barton. I don't know about you, but I've seen more talk about um, Mayo than I have about Davis uh, in, the last, uh, in the last couple of days. And maybe it's because Mayo had no volume before and, and everyone just knows that Davis is going to be the guy to step in for Barton. But um, that's my, that's, maybe it's just the weird circles, uh, weird IDP circles I move in. Who knows? Um, but that's, that's my take. <laughs> Yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I I like Jamin Davis to kind of take over that every down role. Um, well, if Barton misses time, right, and and David Mayo could potentially, um, I think move up and obviously snaps on probably around seventy or or eighty percent of snaps somewhere in that range. So I think most people probably maybe it's just they were already on to Jamin Davis and then David Mayo becomes the more obvious kind of waiver wire target, more widely available, right? So um, yeah, yeah, that that, that could yeah. be it too. Yeah, I think so. And then um, a couple of other sort of stragglers, Kenneth Murray, N'Kobe Dean, and uh, Zach Cunningham as well. I mean, their matchups aren't as sexy this week, but they're either holding down every down roles despite sort of facing competition at the position on their sort of respective teams. Or in Dean's case, um, you know, his his role continues to grow uh, as he gets more comfortable in that scheme. So they're three guys I, I like as well. So um, that's the guys we like at linebacker. Let's talk about the ones that we don't. Um, who's the first player you want to talk about at linebacker who you who you don't like for week eight yeah so I think it's a kind of a I guess it's a combo of players right so it's it's, for me it's the Buffalo Bills linebackers Tyrell Dodson and Dorian Williams we all kind of saw the debacle that was last week where Dorian Williams uh, who had basically we thought locked down the the starting role next to Matt Milano or next to Terrell Bernard after Matt Milano got injured. He was in that role in week six. 
but then he was benched in week seven due to poor play, right? So Tyrell Dodson came into the game. He basically played an every down role for the rest of the way. So I guess I'm just more tentative about what to do with these guys for this week to kind of see if they're going to go back to Williams or or if now it's Dodson's job. The, the coaching staff um, seems to have, you know, expressed uh, confidence in Dorian Williams still. But again, how much do you trust coach speak? I, I don't know, especially after they just benched him. So I'd rather see what they do with these guys on the field this week. Um, as opposed to trusting them in their lineups. And it's it's not a particularly amazing matchup either where you, you have to get one of these guys out there. I think Tampa Bay ranks 20th in tackles to the linebacker position. Um, there's also already another full-time linebacker out there in Terrell Bernard who should eat into those opportunities. Um, Bills are an average team in zone defense rate as well. They run a fair bit of man. Um, I, I especially in a week where there's so many options available to us because there's no bye weeks. I, I think we'd be looking, we should be looking elsewhere for a potential starter um, over plugging in Dorian Williams or, or Tyrell Dotson, especially on Thursday night football, kind of avoiding the sting of a potential dud on Thursday. That always makes it more painful for me. It sure, it sure does. I mean, is there a is there a more frustrating linebacker situation in the NFL right now than what's been going on in Buffalo? Maybe maybe Miami. I can't think of any other. Um, just keeping us on our toes every week. Um, you know, I'm I'm as guilty as anybody else for for getting excited about uh, you know Williams when we saw him surge. It was like a, a, a full on surge ahead of Tyrell Dodson into that LB two role in uh, week six against the, the Giants, I believe. Um, so. Yeah, but like you said, just as just as I was sort of self self congratulating myself on beating everybody else to the waiver wire to pick him up, right? Um, yeah, Tyrod Dodson comes out of nowhere to spoil the party. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you. Neither player is in my top fifty uh, this week until we get some some kind of clarity on on just what the hell is going on with that linebacker situation in Buffalo. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I yeah, they're both outside my top fifty as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so my my first uh, linebacker that I don't like, I've gone with uh, Demario Davis, um, and he's outside my top fifty for the first time this year. Um, I mean, look, we've, we've kind of been waiting for him to for drop off for, for years. It feels like it feels like it's been several years. And to his credit, he's kind of stuck around and, and remained productive. Um, you know, like a lot of these guys that spend so much of their time blitzing, his tackle efficiency has been pretty poor. Um, really poor, in fact. Um, and that's been okay what he's been getting four, five, or, or like last year, nine sacks. Um, but this season he's only got two sacks so far. And that's that's worrying as his tackle efficiency and production in that sense remains um really low and really quite poor. So so that kind of that that concerns me. To add to that, his his snap production. Um, I didn't see any sign of an injury. If if there was one, I missed it, but you have to go back to uh, week one of 2021 to find a game where he didn't play every down, but he's not played every down in two of the last three weeks. It's happened twice in the last three weeks. So Werner for me looks like the full-time guy there now. Uh, and even Zach Bourne, um, his role has grown a little bit in the last last few weeks. So so yeah, even though the Saints have got a, uh, or the linebackers at least, have got a favorable matchup against the Colts this week, I'm not keen on starting Davis over other guys who are either playing full-time or playing a, a similar snap share to Davis, but are trending in the opposite direction. What's your thoughts? 
Yeah, Demario Davis for me, like I, I have him as LB forty this week, so I'm down on him as well. And he's always kind of been this really inefficient tackler. Like I, I do the the tackles over expected um, charts for the, the past couple years, and I believe he's been dead last in each of the past two seasons. Um, and and that takes into account time spent on the edge and what tackle efficiency looks like when you're blitzing and everything like that as well. And he still remains like like super inefficient. Um, so he's been a kind of a concern in that regard for a while now. And yeah, last week didn't play a full-time role. Uh, he was a game time decision going into that game on Thursday night. He had, I think it was a hamstring injury or something like that. So it, it's, it's possible that he could have been limited um, in that game because of the injury. So it, it was a short week as well, right? So I, I don't know if that plays into it, and, and maybe he does go back to a full-time role now that they've had this kind of mini-bye week. But I'm with you. He's just He just hasn't been effective enough to really be like a must-start player for even if he is playing every down, right? So that that that's a big part of it as well. And the Saints being one of the most man-heavy defenses in the NFL as well, um, which definitely hurts tackle efficiency for the linebacker position. So I'm with you. I'm, I'm lower on, on Demario Davis this week as well. I mean, I say stuff like this every week, um, but yeah, watch him, watch him blow up and get three sacks in the next game, um, and record a career, a career high like twenty tackles. It's oh, it's bound to happen. Um, so um, the quick quick hitters uh, linebackers that we don't like for for week eight. What have you? Uh, what have you got? Yeah. So speaking of guys that have been kind of inefficient, um, Devin White of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers going against the Buffalo Bills on Thursday night. Um, so there's another Thursday night player here. Uh, 9.3 tackle efficiency on the year. So that is 53rd um, in among linebackers. The average is 13.2%. So nearly three points lower than just the average. And he looks pretty bad out there. He has a 47.4 defensive grade, 43.5 run defensive grade. Interestingly enough, he has a career best missed tackle rate at 5.3%, but it's because he's not even in position to make tackles. He's getting blocked out or ending up in the wrong spot that he's not even a factor in the game. So Devin White comes in as LB29 for me. Um, and the last one is Caden Ellis. So I know you like Nate Landman. I dislike Caden Ellis. So I think I'm with you on that one. Um, I have Caden Ellis as LB30. 9.9% tackle efficiency on the year. That is 49th in the league. And it is tied with Alex Anzalone, the uh, previously mentioned Prince of Asgard. Um, he's playing every snap as well, Caden Ellis. But Nate Landman's out producing him. Nate Landman's been super efficient. And Tennessee, they're going against them. They are 23rd in tackles per game to the linebacker position. So um, I think we could maybe see even more Landman this week. He hasn't been a full-time player, but Tennessee... Uh, that matchup could mean more linebackers on the field. Um, they don't play a lot of 11 personnel, basically. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I like it. I, I dislike Ellis even even more. I've got him way down at 44 this week, which is a, pre- a pretty huge drop considering where he was to start the year. I really liked him coming into the year, you know, teaming up with his old DC again, mm-hmm. um, who we know can use him. Actually, yeah, just just not really, not really sold on what I've seen so far. Um, these I'm guys down a bit, but um, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking move Landman. I'm going to probably move Landman ahead of him because I think I have Landman just behind, but I've kind of, yeah, you've talked me into it. I've kind of talked myself into it as well. I'm probably going to move Landman <laughs> a, ahead of Ellis at this point. Yeah. And what I like about Landman, um, you know, you mentioned it there with Ellis is they've got a, 
they do have a, a fairly favorable matchup for for linebackers this week against the against the Titans. So hopefully, hopefully things things the stars align and, and things work out. So I've got to be careful with my list of uh, of linebackers that I that I don't like uh, because these are productive, really productive players this this week. Uh, sorry, this year. So Tremaine Edmonds. Uh, TJ Edwards, Dre Greenlaw. It's not that I don't like them. That I'm just I'm just fading them more than I would any other week because of, of their matchup, basically. Um, and then a couple of guys whose roles are not what I hope they would be at this point in the year. So uh, Ernest Jones, Eric Hendricks, and uh, Josie Jewell. We know in Jones' case, it's probably health that's been holding him back from playing more snaps in recent weeks. Uh, but Kendricks and, and Jewell just, just simply have guys playing ahead of them right now. Um, I expected Kendricks to come back and and overtake um, Kenneth Kenneth Murray pretty pretty quickly. I'm I'm one of Murray's uh, biggest haters, I think, out there as a Chargers fan as well. So, um, but yeah, he's he's kind of been getting it done in weird ways, coming up with a big play here and there, and and seemingly keeping Kendricks off the field. So that's been that's been a concern for me. And Jewel just seems to have fallen behind Singleton, um, still playing a, a healthy amount of snaps, but just not what I hoped it would be. Yeah, it's it's kind of interesting, right? Both of those guys, they they were the full-time players there, then they got hurt, and then when they came back, they had basically lost those full-time roles, um, even though they're seemingly healthy, right? So same same yep. kind of situations there, and yeah, you, you got to just kind of go where the snaps are, and then Kenneth Murray and uh, Alex Singleton are where the snaps are, and I, I do like the matchup a little bit more for, for the Denver linebackers this week, but it doesn't help to, to not be playing a full-time role like Joseph Jewell is at around 80 or so percent, so. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, linebacker's done. Let's move. Uh, let's focus on the defensive line. So DT or or Edge, who do you like? Who's your champion uh, on the defensive line for this week? Yeah, so this is a guy that I, I keep talking about him because I, I I was high on him coming into the season. I know you like him as well. Josh Allen of the Jacksonville Jaguars. He has been great this season and I don't think people are giving him the the credit that he deserves even still when he already has six and a half sacks on the season he, he's in the midst of, of a career year really in terms of his pass rush metrics he's earning an 85.0 pass rush grade through seven weeks uh, which ranks 11th among edge defenders he's got an 18.2 percent pass rush win rate which is by far the best of his career as well so I have him as edge seven this week. He draws a favorable matchup against the Steelers pass blocking unit, which ranks 31st in the league in pass blocking grade. Um, Allen mostly lines up on the right side of the defensive line. So against the left, the left tackle, Pittsburgh's left tackle happens to be Dan Moore, who owns a 27.0 pass blocking grade on the year, which ranks 76th among 77 qualifying offensive tackles. Um, Kenny Pickett has kind of been the, the saving grace for the Steelers team and that he's actually been okay at avoiding sacks um, or at least closer to league average, which is impressive given the O-line that he's playing behind. But he's certainly not Patrick Mahomes in that regard. So he'll, he'll end up in the dirt a few times, and and I think it's got to be Allen for for the Jaguars to get him there. Yeah, you you as you as you pointed out, I, I also like Allen. I think we're pretty much in lockstep. I've got him as my edge uh, and DL eight this week. Um you know, I kind of felt for for his fancy managers last last weekend. It's, it's really rare you'll see a player dominate in the way that he did and, and still not manage to take down the QB, isn't it? Um, yeah, seven pressures, three QB hits, and and not a lot, not a lot to show for it, really. Um, and but we, it's, it's it's worth using this to make an example. You know, we shouldn't need a reminder of why uh, of the importance of pressures, I guess, as a, an underlying metric when when evaluating performance. 
of pass rushes. Um, but if we did need a reminder, then this would be a great example of, of why. If you just looked at the box score or didn't catch the game, you'd probably come away thinking that he didn't really do very much. Um, and that just couldn't be farther from the truth. So, yeah, as you said, this week, the Steelers, you pointed out he's playing against Dan Moore, who moved to left tackle, I believe, last week for the first time this year after stinking it up at, at right tackle. Uh, I know he played better last week, but we saw him play left tackle all year last year and the results weren't pretty. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's advantage, Allen, by a, by a wide margin. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm excited. Hopefully he makes up for that. Yeah, again, that was another one of those Thursday night stinkers that just hurts for up until Sunday. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, good to see. Good to see all the same. Um, so for me, I've gone with, and this one might might raise some eyebrows, I've gone with uh, Quinn and Williams. Um, so for me, he's ranked as my uh, DL24 or my DT4, uh, one behind uh, Joey Bosa and one ahead of Jermaine Johnson. Look, I'm not. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. It's been a, it's been a rough year for for Williams fantasy managers. Um, people probably invested quite a lot to to acquire him in redraft uh, after watching him put up sort of 13 sacks last year. But so far this year, got no no sacks in six games, no forced fumbles, and only 19 tackles to show for his efforts. Um, but what may be overlooked, uh, I think, is that he is getting close. He's tied for fifth at the position in total pressures. And he's the only guy in that top five who hasn't already had his bye week. So um, what it comes down to, though, really, and the reason I'm, I'm talking about him this week is because there's no, I don't think there's a better week for Williams to catch fire um, than this week against the Giants. Um, they've allowed the most sacks in the league with 36. Uh, that's not true. The second most sacks in the league with 36 behind the commanders, of course. Uh, and their offensive line is is really struggling with uh, with injury. Matt Pert. Uh, Evan Neal, Andrew Thomas, John Michael Schmitz, and uh, Josh Azuda, uh, all nursing injuries. Um, you know, we've, we've got to be a lot of humble pie when it comes to nominating a guy that we expect to go off in any given week. Uh, it doesn't always work out that way. But in this case, um, I feel like Williams' matchup is so good that I will take absolutely no responsibility whatsoever if he doesn't deliver. It's entirely on him. Yeah, yeah. This this is so funny because I, I was going to put Quinn and Williams on my list as well. And I also have him as DT4. And I kind of had a feeling that you would have him on here. And we talked about this like last, when you were on my podcast, do the preview how similar like some of our rankings are in, in kind of looking at these guys. And I'm with you 100%. I, if Quinnen can't get a sack this week, I, then, you know, maybe there's some concerns there. But you know, he's still been a decent pass rusher from the interior. I think 75.1 pass rush grade. He's got 25 pressures, five QB hits. So he's doing his thing as a pass rusher. He just hasn't got that sack luck yet. So he should get it against the Giants this week. The matchup is too good. It is. It is. And, you know, his win rate as well is also up there. I think it's top 15. Um, so, yeah, it's not not quite where we want it to be. But I feel like this is this has got to be the week. This has yes. got to be the week. Yeah. Um, so um, uh, other guys that we like on the defensive line, uh, who, are your, who are your quick hitters? Yeah, so I'll go to the DT position as well. Um, I have uh, Jalen Carter of the Philadelphia Eagles. So he's DT6 for me, really kind of a layup going against Sam Howell. You mentioned it. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the commanders have given up a ton of sacks. It's really Howell that's given up a ton of sacks. Um, he has taken 40 sacks on the year. He's allowed a, a higher pressure to sack conversion rate than any other quarterback in the league at 33.1%. 
Jalen Carter has looked amazing as a rookie. 90.0 pass rush grade here in year one, which ranks third at the position. Also 27 total pressures, pressures, which is fourth. He's got three and a half sacks. I, I like him to get uh, get another sack or two in this game for sure. Yeah. Are you concerned about the the snap share? That's the only thing that holds me back with Carter. I'm loving how he's playing. I'm loving how he's playing, even though he's not playing very much. But I've just got a slight concern, you know, can he keep that going when he's playing so so few snaps? And we saw that peak when I think it was Fletcher Cox was out, but Cox came back and then Carter dipped below sort of like 40% last week, which I hate to see. I'd, I'd love to see him play more, um, but... It just it, that, that's the only thing that concerns me with him. Everything else is exactly where we want it to be, way beyond where I imagined it would be. Yeah, for sure. So that that was, um, I think, the only thing that concerns me about the snaps is that he missed week six with the injury and then came back last week and was potentially kind of being eased back in um, in, in snaps. So that was like that was his lowest snap share of the year. Um, I believe it were, or it was close to it. Definitely the lowest amount of snaps that he played on the year. So I do wonder if that was just kind of hit them easing him back in, um, coming back from injury. And then he potentially kind of gets ramped up a little bit more um, as the weeks go on. So hoping that it doesn't stay around that side, that, that snap share, but, but goes up as the weeks go on. Yeah, I got you. They'd be, they'd be silly to keep it at that level, I think. Um, yeah. yeah, by far the most effective guy on that interior. Yeah, he's, um, he's been amazing, yeah. Yeah. Um, so my, my quick hit is that the, on the defensive line, I've gone with Jermaine Johnson for, for many of the same reasons, as I, as I mentioned, with uh, Quinn and Williams, really. So playing against a, a, a really poor offensive line that is, as I said, just, just decimated with injury. So I like, I like Johnson's chance of, uh, of making some noise this weekend. Uh, Josh Allen, who you mentioned already, he's on, uh, he's on my quick, little, quick hitter list against that suspect Steelers line. Uh, Joey Bosa, healthy again, um, for now, anyway. <laughs> Um, and ready for a, a bigger workload against a, a Bears O-line that just hasn't looked good and might be missing Justin Fields uh, as well. Um, and then finally, George Karlaftis, um, who has the, the pleasure of facing uh, Mike McGlinchey, uh, who has allowed the, the most pressures and is tied for allowing the most sacks uh, of any right tackle in the league. So I do like Karlaftis' matchup there. Nice. I like it. Yeah. And yeah. And even nice to have for Kansas City, Charles O'Many, who coming back could potentially be one of their better pass rushers this year. They got Mike Dana. So yeah, I like the defensive line uh, for, for Kansas City this week um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so guys we don't like um, or guys we hate, if we can take it that far. Yeah. Um, who Who's the who's the first guy you want to mention? Yeah, so um, I'll go back to Thursday night football here because why not? Um, we could we could see if these takes are going to be right or wrong right away or as soon as possible. And I'm going to go with Gregory Rousseau of the Buffalo Bills. So uh, I have him as edge 26 this week. He's typically kind of been in the, the edge two range for me. He just kind of comes outside of that range. Potentially could be lower as well, but really hasn't been as good as as most people I think had hoped for for this season. 68.2 pass rush grade, which is 47th among edge defenders he's only played a 60 percent snap share we know the bills do like to rotate their defensive linemen a quite a quite a bit um but 60 percent not nearly among the the league leaders in that regard but going against tampa bay as well who are arguably the worst matchup for opposing pass rushers tampa bay owns the best team pass blocking grade at 78.6 and baker mayfield has been incredible at avoiding sacks, he's second behind only Patrick Mahomes in pressure to sack conversion rate this season. Russo, I don't know, to me just hasn't been good enough of a pass rusher this season to feel great about starting him this week. 
Uh, only one game all year with a pass rush grade above 70. And the snaps aren't amazing by any means, like I said. So he's really more in that edge three range for me this this week. I, I'd have a hard time kind of getting him into lineups when I have, you know, potentially 24 options uh, ahead of him. Yeah, so this is this is one I don't I don't want to like. Um, I, I've been a, I've been a fan of his for for years, um, but I do agree because um, I've got him down as uh, my DL forty or edge thirty one. He's one of those guys who's always played, always performed rather, uh, but never really put up huge numbers because of that. As you say, that deep rotation on that on that edge uh, at that edge position for the Bills. So um, it's been a slower start than usual for him this season certainly slower than than what we saw from him last year when he, he got he got off to a to a to a cracking start but um and I do think he'll come good at some point this season but as you said this this week isn't isn't it um you know worse on one side playing as well as he ever has phenomenal phenomenal offensive tackle and then uh, on the other side you got the I think he's a sophomore Luke Gadecki uh, I think is how you pronounce yeah, yeah. it and he's been a revelation really yeah. um in his second year um you know as he allows something like 10 10 pressures in a single sack i thought i saw earlier on so yeah not not a great week for for russo he's also got von miller back in the fold now as well i don't know von miller's role has been quite small so far but maybe as he gets back to some sort of semblance of health um everybody else's roles start to diminish a bit more lots of reasons not to like russo this week I'm not ready to give up on him as a player um, long term, and I doubt you are either. But um, yeah, as, as as we said, not not the week for him. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so my guy is, uh, uh, and people might not like this uh, as well because I know he's got his fans. But Nick Benito, uh, and I've got him all the way down as the DL sixty one uh, or edge forty nine. Um, you know, look, all, all credit to him for for stepping up in his second year and and sort of delivering the goods. He's had five sacks in in seven games. And I think he was probably one of the reasons why the uh why the Broncos deemed uh Randy Gregory uh, expendable. But I think I think Benito's gonna struggle to continue producing in the same way going forward. Baron Browning's back from injury and I don't think Browning's any any kind of world beater. Um he looked pretty good last week though, considering it was his first game back from injury. So my first concern with Benito is is really the the the, the playing time. I think it's going to reduce. Uh, and we saw signs of that happening last week with with Browning back in the fold. But my other perhaps bigger concern um for this week is that he's playing against the Chiefs and as you mentioned earlier, um the Chiefs offensive tackles might not be particularly good. In fact, they're being really quite poor this year, but Mahomes um is a, is a master of of evading pressure. He's given up only seven or been sacked only seven times this year. So it's not a case of me hating on Benito as a player, to be clear. I think, um, like I say, he's shown some promise. Uh, I'm just not too excited about his opportunity ahead, and I don't like his matchup this weekend. I'm with you 100%. I, I put the Denver defensive line as as my uh, – they're in my quick hitter section there. Really, all of them, Jonathan Cooper, Nick Benito, Baron Browning, even Zach Allen uh, among the interior there. Like you said, nobody avoids sacks better than Patrick Mahomes this season um the o-line even though the o-line is just kind of average mahomes still 7.2 percent pressure to sack conversion rate is really impressive and um they don't even give up a lot of tackles to defensive linemen uh either right so it, it's not a great matchup in any way and yeah just i wouldn't want to trust any of these guys uh in my lineups i don't think any of them are particularly good enough to to kind of overcome the matchup this week yeah i'm with you it's, it's weird it's a weird offensive line they have isn't it in the sense that 
those two tackles are so poor, but the interior is 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 really quite good. You know, Creed Creed Humphrey and Joe Joe Thune in the middle are are really very good. Um, so maybe <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. There's there's there's, there's method in their madness, I mean, at least. Um, so um, the quick hitters uh, defensive line. Who uh, what who have you got on your list that you don't like for week eight? Yeah. So. I mentioned the the Denver defensive line, but I also have Deron Payne on here of the Washington Commanders. So he's outside of uh, my top 12 defensive tackles uh, for this week. And honestly, it hasn't really been a good season for Deron Payne. Um, I, I think I talked about this a lot in the offseason and warned about kind of regression from him pretty much all offseason. And, and I think it's showing so far this year, just one sack on the year a 56.1 pass rush grade as well, just 13 total pressures, um, despite playing 84% of the team's defensive snaps all season long. Um, the e- he's going against the Eagles. They're tied for fifth in pass block grade. Jalen Hurts, 16.1% pressure to sack convers- conversion rate, which is makes this the 24th worst matchup for, for defensive linemen trying to sack Jalen Hurts. So don't love any of that. And yeah, D- I mean, Deron Payne, I think this is somebody that, potentially fantasy managers had high expectations for after last year and his big um you know sack performance and and getting paid in the offseason as well but um has really regressed it, it, it probably even more so than than even i expected um this season what was the uh, in, I'm interested to, to hear what was the reason you thought he was going to regress was it the, the his unsustainably high sack to pressure ratio um, or was it you thought he was a volume player perhaps because he did have a lot of snaps at the position compared to other guys Uh, and obviously with that sometimes comes production that isn't always earned in the same way yeah it was a combination of of both things really and when i because i i talked about doing the tackles over expected um uh uh metrics this offseason i also do the same thing for sacks for uh for defensive linemen and that kind of takes into account their their average pass rush metrics and and what those numbers typically create as far as sacks go plus playing time and all of that kind of stuff and he he was i think number 1 as far as performing over expected and when we see over expected when it comes to sacks we know that those numbers typically kind of regress uh, over year over year right so that was one of the big things for me for Jerron Payne was just the pass rush metrics not quite living up to um the the sack total uh, that he delivered, even though he played well last year, it wasn't quite as well as the sack numbers would say they were. Got you, got you. Um, I wonder if um, not not disagreeing with your your take on that, but I, ju- I just wonder whether um, the, the the quarterback situation for the uh, are they playing the Bears this weekend? Did you say? I can't remember off the top of my uh, head. The Eagles, Eagles, the Eagles. Sorry, I wonder with because uh, Hertz isn't fully healthy, is he? I wonder if he might be more static and more more prone to taking sacks. But as I say that, I'm. I'm I'm thinking again about the Eagles offensive line and it's it's, it's pretty pretty damn good so maybe not. I've talked myself out of the point I was trying to make. <laughs> <laughs> no worries, no worries. Yeah, Eagles old line has been has been decent this year. Um at least yeah. as pass blockers so. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so the guys I've got on my on my quick hitter list at, uh, at the defensive line position um so I've gone with uh, Aaron Donald. Um, I still have him as my DT2 on the week. Uh, he's he's because he's just so otherworldly talented. Um, I just don't like his matchup against the the Cowboys offensive line, that interior, pretty decent. Um, Dennis Gardeck, uh, super productive to start the year, but he's only had one sack uh, and nine pressures in his last five games um, and had his smallest snap share of the season at 30% last weekend. And he places, uh, sorry, faces a pretty decent Ravens 
offensive line this weekend. And then lastly, uh, for completely different reasons, Andrew, Andrew Van Ginkle, um, you know, big fan of how he's played uh, to start the season uh, through those first five games, especially uh, filling in for, for Jalen Phillips. But since Phillips returned two weeks ago, uh, Van Ginkle's been used sparingly as a, as a pass rusher, uh, at least compared to where he was in those first uh, sort of five games. Ten pass rush opportunities in the last game against uh, against Philly. That's just not going to get it done. Um, so yeah, they're my they're my three that I'm uh, I'm not too too keen on this week. I like it. Yeah, and and Van Ginkle too. Like really interesting player. The way they use him, they kind of use him as this hybrid edge off ball linebacker. Right, Jalen Phillips being back definitely takes away a lot of those edge opportunities for Andrew Gang- Van Ginkle so he could put up those big plays. And I, I do think Fangio's been using him more as an off-ball linebacker when Jalen Phillips is playing on the edge. So, yeah, you're right. I I, I think um, I, I think I agree with all of that. Good stuff. Um, so on to defensive backs. Who do you like for week eight? Who's your favorite? Not necessarily your favorite, but who are you keen on? Well, one of my favorites for sure, um, and that's Cameron Curl of the Washington Commanders. So I, I always like these guys that had like down weeks, but you kind of know that they're going to have better weeks ahead. So it's kind of like easy pickings for me to, to kind of say that they're they're going to be better this week. But he did have an unusually quiet week in week seven, just three total tackles on the day. But he played 100% of defensive snaps, uh, which is the main thing that we're looking for. But even better than that, he's played 43% of defensive snaps in the box this season, which is about as ideal of deployment as we can ask for um, from an IDP, IDP perspective. He also draws a matchup against the Eagles uh, this week who are averaging the most tackles to the safety position on the year at 18.1. So just really like this as a, a kind of a great bounce back spot for, for Cameron Crow this week. Yeah, good shout. Um, I'm a curl fan. Not as not as much as uh, as Jake. I think it's Jake Colhagen is the biggest curl <laughs> fan I've, I've ever heard of. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean, look, you know, Curl's not a, not a flashy guy. He's he's not a threat to record many interceptions, if any. I think I think he's got any in the last two three years actually. Sacks, forced fumbles, not really his thing either. Um, so if you're in a league that rewards uh, big plays highly, then I can understand fading him a little bit there. Um, but what he will do is to put up you know great great tackle volume um and he currently ranks third amongst all safeties uh with 53 so yeah like you said that eagles matchup ideal for a player like him he can really wrap the tackles up i think and and really remind us why uh why we rank him so highly um as we do uh, as i say he's my my db6 so clearly i'm uh, i'm in line with you in that way of thinking um so my guy is uh, and I said I'd t- I give sort of cornerbacks a little bit more love this week. Um, so I'm going to start with um, Darius Williams, uh, cornerback for the Jaguars, uh, or Jaguars, depending on uh, what country you're in. So I've got him ranked as my DB21 or my CB2 for week eight, one behind Jordan Fulham and one ahead of Rayshawn Jenkins. Um, you know, he's not up there with the best of the of the cornerbacks in terms of tackle volumes, trails the likes of you know, the Kenny Moores and the uh, Diomedor Lenoirs of the world in that sense. But he leads the league with eight pass breakups. He's tied for the league lead with three interceptions and he's even forced a fumble. Um, but also, I love his matchup against the Steelers this weekend. They allow the, the third highest tackle efficiency to opposition cornerbacks. Thanks to your chart, John. Thanks for that. Uh, and while Pickett has been pretty safe with the football this year, uh, I think his offensive line has been pretty damn rubbish so i can see a scenario where 
Pickett isn't given that much time to to throw the ball, thanks to the likes of Josh Allen and co. And maybe Williams can get his hands on the ball on some of those errant throws. I like it. Yeah, he's he's been awesome this year. Um, I'm just gonna I was just gonna pull up my my updated chart here because I did update it uh, last night. I haven't put it out there yet. So the Steelers see if they're still first, and they're pretty close as far as efficiency goes. So twenty three percent. So yeah, they're they're right there. They're sixth in the the league now. So they did drop a fair bit after um, after last week, but they're they're right up there. Still a positive matchup for him, above average at the very least. So I, I like Darius Williams. I can't remember where I have him ranked. I put him um, fairly high as well. So I'm with you on uh, on Darius Williams. Yeah, one thing that surprised me when I looked up Williams, I don't remember him putting up ninety six tackles two years ago where where was i did i have my head in the sand was this was this common knowledge john <laughs> i i'm trying to remember as well two years ago gets that that there's way too much data in between then <laughs> and now for me to kind of try to remember them especially for cornerbacks so i don't remember that either but uh yeah if you say it happened i'm sure it did um I may, maybe it's a misprint maybe it's a misprint i don't remember it happening but yeah um but yeah i'm as i say not liking him because of the tackle volume but he's just been—he's been, he's been a, a, a big play machine, and I'm—I'm I'm here for for all of that. So, um, so who who don't you like on the uh, or at the defensive back position? Um, so I who I don't like—I uh, don't like Jesse Bates. Um, so Jesse Bates <gasps> comes in. Yeah, yeah, he's been awesome <laughs> this year, right? He's been so good um, for for the Falcons, but. And you know what? He's been a decent tackler too, but he's really moved up kind of the, the, the scoring leaderboards off a bunch of kind of unstable big plays, three interceptions, two forced fumbles as well. But he's also going against the Titans where 31st in tackles allowed to the safety position per game this year. Uh, you got Richie Grant there as well, who's also typically playing closer to the line of scrimmage. He's been a fine tackler in his own right. So Jesse Bates kind of stands out to me as somebody that could be, you know, the odd man out uh, as far as tackling goes in this in this game for the Falcons. Um, he plays seventy six percent of his snaps deep uh, this season, so this is not a Titans offense that's necessarily getting the ball too deep downfield, um, especially with Derrick Henry in the lineup and not Ryan Tannehill. It's a combination potentially of Malik Cunningham or not Malik Cunningham, Malik Willis and. Uh, uh, what's his face? The banana eater guy. Uh, Will Levis. Will yeah. Levis. Yeah, yeah, the banana peel. Um, that's what I think of immediately. It's the most disgusting thing I've ever seen. Um, so, yeah. So, I, I just don't have faith in that Tennessee offense being able to sustain drives and create enough opportunities for this to be a big game uh, for Jesse Bates. Yeah. I hear you. I hear you. Where do you have him ranked this week? So, I have him as safety 18. He's always been kind of higher than that for me, but I've I'm starting to kind of push him a little bit lower too. As I again, as I kind of talk myself into it, I might push him lower, closer to the twenty to twenty-four range. I think. Okay, okay, I'm a little higher than you on on Bates. Um, maybe I'm, uh, I'm 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 biased because in I play in some big play leagues, and in those leagues, he is just undroppable. Um, given how he's played so far, I understand your point about whether or not, or questioning about whether or not some of those some of those big plays are sustainable. But he's, he's kind of he's kind of been that guy for most of his career. Um, so I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of believing what I'm seeing, I guess. Um, but you're obviously right to to mention the the tough matchup um, in terms of. Uh, opposition uh, oppositions that don't allow a lot of tackles to the safety position. So, you know, no no argument there. 
my man. Um, but he's he is still my DB eight for the week. I have moved him down from the DB three spot based on the matchup more than anything else. Um, but what gives me pause for thought in dropping him any further is is the same point you mentioned. Um, so him not having a, a good matchup, how much of that is down to Tannehill, and what would the Titans' game plan be? without Tannehill and would is there a way in which that could play into Bates' favor probably not I think given that he does play so deep I'm um, just thinking this through as I as I talk about it here um, but it, it gives me enough pause for thought if everything was as it ordinarily is with the Titans then I'd be I'd be much more confident in ranking Bates a little lower but just that uncertainty about what how they would approach the game makes me uh, makes me want to play this sort of a bit more cautiously yeah, no, that that's fair. That's definitely a fair way of looking at it, especially because he's like you said, he's been so good this year. And I, I love him as a player, um, but he's always kind of been more like of a matchup dependent um, type option for me because he has these up and down games all the time, these big swings in production. So this feels like yeah. one of those ones where it could be lower, but you're right. It could absolutely still pop off if, you know, he gets some interception opportunities again as well. Right. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna, me- I was gonna mention the interceptions, but you know, as you know, predict- predicting interceptions yeah. is a is a fool's game. But this is Bates, so you never, you never know. Um, yeah. uh, so uh, we're on to who the guys I don't like. So I said I'd focus on some some cornerbacks, as I said earlier on. Um, so this week I'm going to stick with that and uh, double up and go with uh, Trey Brown as the as the guy that I'm I'm out on this week. Uh, he's actually completely unranked, so. The reason I mention him is the uh, CB16 in Big 3 IDP scoring and ranks sixth amongst all corners uh, in average points per game. Uh, he's had a sack, he's had two false fumbles, two interceptions, three pass breakups. That's great, but he's he's not going to sustain that uh, sort of production when he's playing as, as few snaps as he is. Um, you know, he's had 72, between 72 and 83% in three of the five games in which he's played. But last week, his role just disappeared he played like 30 percent of the snaps and the seahawks went to sort of a three safety look involving uh quandre diggs jamal adams and uh, julian love so yeah i'm not ruling out the possibility that that was a, a sort of a game script thing or or maybe a specific game plan uh, for arizona because clint hurt didn't really use uh, a lot of three safety looks last year but until we see brown command a larger role i just don't think he can be trusted Certainly yeah. not at a, at a position where we've got so many other options as well. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm with you. As soon as you see those snaps drop, you, you basically abandon ship, right? At least for the week yep. until we see them come back up because there's just too many options there, uh, especially at the cornerback position. So I am definitely fine uh, kind of uh, fading Trey Brown this week. Good stuff, good stuff. So uh, have you got any uh, quick hitters at the defensive back position who you are not keen on? Uh, not keen on. So I will go with uh, Harrison Smith. So Harrison Smith of the Minnesota Vikings. I have him as safety 25 this week. Again, another matchup dependent thing. Green Bay is actually dead last in tackles allowed to the safety position this year, only giving up 8.7 per game. And Minnesota specifically has like three full-time linebacker or safety options, I mean, um, that they're mixing in there. So that really kind of thins out the pie for these guys. Cameron Bynum and Josh Metellus, those are the guys that are getting in the mix. And Bynum has been kind of unreal as a tackler, 14% tackle efficiencies. He added two interceptions last week um, as well, which he's done uh, by playing just under 50% of his snaps from from a deep role. So he's not like a true deep safety. He moves around quite a bit, and that's what's helped him 
kind of maintain that that tackle rate um, at, pretty decently. So I think Smith could potentially be the the odd man out here. He's the the least efficient tackler of the three. Um, and he's also kind of moving around a fair bit while Metellus has the better deployment of um, of the three as well. So Smith against Green Bay, the matchup isn't great. So I would be avoiding uh, Harrison Smith this week. I like it. Um, so my my guys, uh, I'm not keen on. I was going to mention Kavon Wallace. Uh, he was kind of he was already low hanging fruit because he didn't play any defensive snaps after Buddha Baker came back, but. Then he was released, so he's kind of like rotten fruit stomped into the ground right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, he's an easy one. Donovan Wilson uh, of the Cowboys is a, is a bit of a concern for me. He hasn't played more than seventy seven percent of the snaps since he came back four four weeks ago now. So you'd have to think that that's kind of like their long term plan for the season for him, rather than them just easing him back in again. Maybe we talked about him on your pod going back two three weeks ago as someone that who we expected to, you know step into that that larger role in this in a in a slightly progressive fashion but it just hasn't happened um and then i currently have reed blankenship unranked um after he missed last week with an injury um, but even if he gets healthy in time for the weekend uh, the arrival of uh, sort of kevin bayard is concerning yeah. um, and i liked seeing sydney brown get some playing time last weekend but while there's any uncertainty about who partners Bayard at the back end, I, it's just a situation I'll look to avoid. Again, there's loads of other options at DB. So I'm happy to play the waiting game and, yeah, go for the guy who uh, who steps into that role next to Bayard. Have you got any insight on who you think that's going to be? Yeah, I think, like, if Bayard is – or if uh, Reed Blankenship's healthy, it's obviously – it's going to be him. Um, so if Blankenship's not healthy, then, yeah, it, it, it's Sidney Brown. Um, fellow Canadian Sydney Brown as well. So. Yeah, yeah. Bit of bias there, John, but we'll we'll allow it. We'll allow it. Um okay, so that um with that, that comes to the end of the show, John. Um, you know, as as I said uh, off off air earlier on, I know you've got a crazy schedule, so I I appreciate you taking the time to drop some some knowledge bombs on the on the show tonight. Um but before we wrap up, can you take a moment to to tell the audience where to find you and your work, please? Yeah, so all of my work can be found on pff.com. Um, we do the IDP fantasy report over there where you can find all the snap shares and utilization and waiver wire targets for all IDPs that comes out every week. It's free on pff.com. I have my IDP rankings over there as well. And we do the um, IDP preview episode on the PFF Fantasy Podcast. You can find it on um, yeah, Apple, Spotify, and YouTube as well. And uh, yeah at pff underscore macri on twitter as well but uh yeah I'm always happy to answer idp questions and talk idp so I, I appreciate you uh having me on jace one of my favorite people to talk idp with so so thank you very much oh stop it um but yeah look <laughs> thanks john and uh, to the audience yeah thanks for tuning in you you guys and your feedback has been incredible all year um, I'll be back at the same time next week with uh, the wonderful Dynasty Trip, the Football Guys fame. In the meantime, good luck with your Week 8 matchups. Please check back on the rankings on the idpshow.com site uh, before games begin to catch up on any injury updates. And see you soon. This was the IDP After Show. <laughs>